0: In this episode of Consider This, uh, I'm in the studio today with the amazing Morgan Weiss, who does a lot of great things in her uh, ministry here. She works a lot with our young ladies, discipling them and helping them know what it means to follow Jesus and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Um, but she really has a lot of gifts in the areas of preaching and teaching. So uh, she has a heart for missions because she has a heart for Jesus. Um, so I think you will be blessed by what she has to share. Uh, and then Alex Sheets is uh, with us, who is on staff at the table, which serves along with our college ministry and uh, it was a real pleasure to be in Poland with him and uh, just see what God is not only doing through him um, but what maybe the future might hold in terms of just how he's going to uh, be able to incorporate missions and maybe even particularly uh, the stuff that's going on in Poland um, with what we're doing down here uh, in Stillwater Uh, so I think you'll be blessed by this update about what uh, recently uh, happened in uh, Poland when we went there to serve uh, the, the Refugee crisis coming out of Ukraine. Hope you enjoy this podcast. So before we went to Poland, how closely were you guys following what was happening in in uh, in, in Ukraine? Um, Alec, how were, were you? I'm, I'm assuming you were aware that yeah, something was happening. Yeah. But how, how much were you trying to stay involved and connected with, with what was going on?
1: On a scale of one to 10, I would say four. Okay. I was aware, but I just hear <laughs> stuff on the news and just briefly what people would be talking about it. Okay. So not very. Not very. Not very. You knew Russia was involved in Ukraine. I think I was had heard that Russia was involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But you hadn't didn't know the specifics. And, no. Yeah. Did did you know like where maybe even a lot of the refugees were going? Did you know that no. Poland was getting an influx?
1: I knew Poland was getting influx, but a lot of when I was there I was asking questions like, yeah. what caused this issue? Yeah, yeah. Um why are they being sent here? And yeah, I didn't know what happened to refugees after they crossed the border, yep. and so that was part of my my main questions when yeah. I was there.
0: Yep, no, I get it. Morgan, where were where were you? Just
2: same thing. I mean, I knew I knew Russia was bomb was bombing Ukraine, and I knew that Putin was seen as a very uh, corrupt and impulsive person. Like that's kind of how people okay. portrayed him um, here, and then. Uh, Drew Henderson was talking to me about like some civil unrest that was going on in Ukraine prior to this. Um, and then Drew Moss kind of filled me in on some even backstory prior to that, so
1: yeah.
0: So okay. you, even a lot of your sources are literally other pastors here on staff that are giving you information. You're not going out and researching it and trying to figure mm. out what was the cause and what was that kind of stuff, so. No,
2: no. Yeah, and I would
0: say that probably what you guys are describing is, is for a lot of people. Um, they, they They are aware that something is actually happening, but not really aware in terms of what the specifics look like and, and what that what that, what that is uh, what that entails or even what that demands, um, which is kind of a neat opportunity for us because uh, a little bit of a surprise to us. Um, we were in a meeting talking about what was what was going on and the opportunity for us to go, and it really just kind of just took off, didn't it? All of a sudden, we're beginning to ask questions about, um, do they need us over there? And so uh, this podcast really is going to kind of highlight some of those things, and uh, I'm really excited about hearing what you guys experienced Uh, in poland while we were there serving um so i'm going to begin i'll kind of come back with you morgan so uh, we were there we just got back a little little over a week ago Mm -hmm. so we've been home now and kind of still even processing everything a lot of people have been asking hey what was it like and tell us more about your trip Um, and i want to begin by just asking you so what, what was what were some of the reasons behind uh why you felt led to go why you wanted to go and ultimately why you went
2: well, uh, first, honestly, when you first brought it up, it was like, well, that's awesome. There's a need, and we can go meet it. Um, hopefully, help you. The words that you used was, "Hopefully, we can be with the team there that you had talked to Rafael and talked to Mac, and maybe a couple of others or something." But I remember you listing those two and saying, you know, hopefully, we could be kind of like a shot in the arm for the team, like a steroid. So that's kind of in my really that drew my attention to that because I just really love I love supporting uh, other people that are doing ministry doing what we're doing and there are partners and so why would we not go help them if they're exhausted you know that makes sense to me um, and then another thing that made me really excited is um, I think one of the things that was hard for our staff on during COVID was just not being able to go. um, A lot of people on our staff feel very mutually encouraged when we get to see what God is doing in other parts of the world. A lot of people in our church have been mutually encouraged and deeply impacted by the Lord through going and seeing his hand moving in other places. And so that's always exciting to me. Um, That always is appealing to me Mm -hmm. um, to be able to go do that. It's kind of a get-to more than a have-to, need-to even, you know. Um, In my mind, that's what it feels like. Um, So we had a, you know, a reason, something we could do when we were there, encourage the team, help however they needed to, and then this want to desire. Um, And so then it just became a matter of like logistics. And it was one of those weird things where you're looking around and you're like, well, actually I could do this. Like (laughs) the next couple of (laughs) weeks, like, yeah, like usually it's like there's a, there's a fall retreat going on, a spring retreat going on, or a spring break thing going on, staff retreat or a camp or something, Mm -hmm. you know, Easter, you know, and it was like, wow, I I think I could actually swing this um, if other people on staff are okay to cover and they were so gracious to do that. So those are the things that, honestly, it was really encouraging to go see them. I hadn't got to go on a, on a mission trip out of the country since I was in high school. And I went as wow. a student with uh, our church to Honduras yep. Yep. Um, to take Galpa and Seguata Peque, And that was awesome then. And so I've been on the country once to see to Israel a few years ago, but that yep. wasn't a mission trip, yep. you know, and so just to see what it's just different, you know, seeing what God is doing through, through uh, other people. So
0: no, I mean, and I I, I like the – I remember when we were talking about it, one of the statements that you made was – you know, I, if, if, if I'm taking someone else's spot that needs to go, I'm more than willing to wait and go at another time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also would really like to go. It's been a long time since I have I have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of it. I mean, I just, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul seems to um, talk about the need for us to have desires to, to lead or desires to serve, because um, I, I think they're put there by the Holy Spirit. And so I really, really appreciated that. So Alex, so... Why did you feel both led
1: and called and then sure. sustained and going? Sure. Well, this is going to just be a confession. This is honest confession on the mic. The fir- I was not in the meeting when yeah, I heard no, no. of all the the stuff that was going down and the needs of ProM. So when I first heard of this opportunity, the first thought that came to my mind was, I get the chance to go to Poland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. And then it was, uh, and do good, and do yeah, good. This stuff yeah, came yeah. with it. But the more I, s- I sat and thought about it um, and really sat down and, and thought about the refugees and, and serving um, the pro M team, the thing that was that really drew me um, was serving the pro IM team. Um, any sort of long-time partners that we have the importance is serving the local missionaries and mm-hmm. so cool, serving the uh, people that are established because they're the ones that do good. Um, and we saw that uh, while we were there. Um, mm-hmm. One of the most important um, part of the entire week for us, and we can talk about this later, was just there's this meeting when all of these people who have been serving throughout the entire crisis, they're just in tears. Yeah talking about how it's just been so hard they've been going, some of them literally 24 hours yep. serving, just driving to the border in the middle of the night, picking up people, yep. taking medicine. And they're just in tears about just the weight of serving these people and going there and just trying to offer relief to them. Yeah, that was, that was worth it. Yeah. I also wanted to go and experience it myself. That was, um, I've never been around refugees and I've never got to see war and there's a A lot um, that I got to take back and just learn about a side of life that's been in all (laughs) history. And Americans don't really have to deal with that. Um, But that was the main thing, serving serving the partners.
0: Which is interesting because I think sometimes we can become so... uh, I I hear people talk, and I've, I've obviously wrestled with this in my own mind, but sometimes we almost want to become so altruistic in our understanding like I only want to give and I only I don't want any selfish motivations within it and I just think that's really complicated I don't think it's wrong for us uh, to want to to do these things to want to see some things that are yeah. complicated and difficult um, not just for their benefit but also for mine and I I do believe that there's always this mutual growth that actually takes place um, so you know we d- we decided uh, and and I was a little bit surprised by it so uh, Andrew and I our son, Mac, and his wife, Olivia, and our two granddaughters actually are over there serving with Pro-Am and have been there for a long time, a um, number of years, three years. And so we're, we've been excited about knowing that ministry. But this obviously is something radically different. Since the war started on February 24th, um, they have had this huge influx of refugees. Um, and so I knew that there was a kind of an increase in just uh, activities that they were doing, and I knew that there was more that was de- being demanded of them. But I, I never even realized, even though we were talking on a pretty regular basis, that we could do something about it, Um, you know. And so when we began to realize, okay, is there something we could do? The first thing we did was take up an offering. Mm. And, man, I I was so excited to hear about not only us as a church, but even a number of other uh, Christian people in our community and a a number of other churches uh, began to say, hey, what can we do? And uh, we recently sent a check to pro uh, collectively um, through us and our, some other ministry partners and Christians in the community, and it was over $100,000, and that, that was great. So we did take care of the financial needs, as Maui was describing it. It's about $4,000 a day for them to care for the number of refugees that are there that is over and above all of their other costs that they're dealing with on a regular basis. So obviously that's a, that, that's a big part of it. But then the question became, is it helpful for us to put boots on the ground? And it really did. Just describe what you what you guys described. It allowed us to serve pro It allowed us to see what was actually going on. It allowed us to have a better relationship with our ministry partner. So all of those things were were a huge part of it. Um, I'm going to begin back with you, Alex. So what were some of the specific things? that you were able to do while you were over there mm-hmm. to bless pro uh, father or, or, to, or to help you even understand what was, what was going on? What were some of the things you did?
1: Uh, there's, uh, there's two things that came to mind immediately even as you were talking about that. Uh, my main uh, work that I had to do uh, while I was over there is I was driving to the border of Ukraine And I was picking up uh, families that had recently crossed over from the war zone and driving them to the M camp. And for those that don't understand, I mean, I'd never been in a situation like that, so I didn't understand (laughs) either. Yeah. Um, what that looked like is uh, it was a group of us driving about 10 to 12 hours round trip um, to pick up um, families about Seven families it ended up being about 21 people um, on the first day, and it, I think seven people on the second day. Um, and it was mainly women and children. The fathers had ended up staying because uh, they all had to fight. And these refugees, um, here's the something that just stood out to me. When they crossed the border, they had no plan. Um, and that's just what I just saw was so huge that places like pro and the church was doing um, there is they were going out of their way to meet people who had no plan because their plan was literally just to get yeah. out of the war zone. Yeah. And I don't even know how they got out of the war zone because <laughs> they didn't have cars. Yeah. Um, and Kiev was a long, long walk. Um, so we would drive and we'd go pick them up, take them to pro and then pro would go uh, find Homes, churches, sometimes in other countries. Yeah, um, yeah. Holland was a, uh, a place um, that a church was partnering and sending uh, families to. So I did that for a couple of days, and then we had different odd jobs um, around the camp.
0: And the odd jobs were rather simple, right? If Very you, simple, If you talk yeah. about them, you're just like, wow, you went all the way over there to do yep. what? To spread out mulch yep. on a climbing wall that kids yes, are we using? Did. And the answer is, yep, yep. we did that, actually. Yep. So, to take yeah. it
1: off the hands of the people that had been working... For months, yeah, and I proudly did that.
0: That's awesome, Morgan. Some of the things that you did, actually, and then I want to talk about some of the some of the experiences that you had with some of the some of the individuals. But before that, what were some of the things that you did? And um,
2: well, if I was just to kind of list, if we were to list out some of the things we did, there were a lot of trucks coming in because a lot of people were donate are donating uh, resources to ProM for this endeavor. So. Um, at the camp there were shipments coming in from italy and holland and finland and just a bunch of places germany all around and we would unload those boxes and then even though they might be labeled a lot of them we couldn't read because obviously we don't speak those languages but also even people there like if you're ukrainian a lot of times you don't know polish and if you're polish you don't know necessarily russian and so it's just kind of a mess of a bunch of languages and um, it's babble, you know, essentially. I mean, it's a bunch. Yeah, yeah, and so you yeah, have these boxes yeah. coming in, and they're it might be written in, it, in, like, an Italian language. So we have to open all the boxes and see what's actually inside. Um, and then we organize them. They go into all places all over the camp. So you have a whole little kind of storage area for things that are going to be going specifically as soldiers. Um, in Ukraine, you have a whole little storage pantry type area that they put all the cans in um, to draw out when they're sending supplies back to Ukraine. Um, that way it can be perishables, you know, going first. There's a whole bunch that will go into the kitchen for us to prep and prepare meals for the refugees. So a lot of chopping and 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 washing and that kind of stuff for the, the cooks to use that, either freeze it or use it right away. Yep. Um, there were hygiene items that would go to a different shed, a different place. There were generators that we had to just, ma- or Daniel just said, can you just make pick sure these out, make sure they're working, which was complicated when you can't read the manual because they can't read <laughs> it's, language. It's in Finnish, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that, um, everything just kind of takes steps. You know, we washed windows to prepare for the camp. Um, we handed out books. Um, and tried to engage with the people. We got a lot of donations of clothes, which as you know, when people donate clothes, a lot of times they donate what they don't want. So some of that's useful and some of it's not. So we went through that stuff and then sorted it and tried to help refugees pick out things they need because most of them uh, coming across the border had a bag or two. They didn't have like you know, a moving yeah, truck. Yeah, so, have everything. yeah. So just a bunch of stuff like that. I mean, just tons and tons of stuff there. Another group came at the end of our time and they were aerating the field and, and mowing. And I mean, like you said, we spread mulch. We <laughs> moved bags of potatoes. We just, it's just kind of every I've time. I've never you, cut that many radishes in my no, life. I'll be I mean, you. like you finish a task, a ton of radishes. you just finish a task and then you just go and they give you a new task. And you do that one, and then
0: so one of the things that ProM is doing, it might be good for us to just kind of explain, is that you know ProM basically is an organization that we work with, and uh, when there isn't a war happening in Ukraine, uh, they have a number of different things that they focus on. One of them is that they have a camp that uh, is is used periodically throughout the year, but specifically during the summer time, in which children from all over Poland and all over Eastern Europe come and they gather and they do sports camps and art camps and different things like that, and they hear the gospel and people come to Christ, and that's a big part of their ministry, and that's that's where we spent a lot of our time, was at their camp. It's, they call it Zako. It's in Zacosecela. Uh And then they have a school that is a real big part of their ministry that is not too far away in a city called Tomashuv, um, where they also have a church uh, called Tomy Church. So they've got this um, camp, they've got this school, this Christian school, and then they've got church planting. Uh, Mack and Liv do church planting in a city not too far from there called Piotrkov. they got a church plant in Wuj and a church plant in in in, uh, in, to, in, Tomi, in, Tom, in Tomashuv. So those are the things that they're doing on a regular basis basis. Um, and then when the need came up, they just realized, wow, we have this camp and let's use it as an opportunity. And the one thing I really appreciate about them, and, and you know, one of the reasons why we want to inform you is not just tell about our experiences so that you would know and that you would even continue to pray, is I really appreciated how intentional they were, how they realized like it wasn't their job to take care of 20,000 refugees or 40,000 refugees, they realized what they had. They looked at the resources that they had, and then they said, okay, we're going to We're going to do everything that we can with everything that we have to bless as many people as possible and to create a place for them to come um, when they're just literally with no plan escaping a war zone. And how can they come to a safe place and kids can come to a safe place and they can kind of get their bearings straight and then figure out where where do they go from here? Do we stay in Poland? Do we move to Holland? Do we go to Germany? Do we go to Finland? Do we try to get to Canada? Do we try to get to America? All of those things, basically the camp becomes a resting place for them to figure out what that looks like. And uh, in, in the video that I really enjoyed watching on Sunday, one of my favorite pictures, Morgan, was you um, uh, in, in the bus as we were praying with that group of about fifty people that were on their way to Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was so neat was in the I think a slide either right before, or right after you in the in the aisle of the bus, um, uh, we're greeting some of the the pastors there from the churches in Holland. So I love the fact that proam is finding people in need at the border. Alec goes and gets them. Then they come back, and uh, everybody from the team is working uh, trying to help the camp be a place where they can do that as they prepare to. Get go and get on a bus and then leave for Finland or for Germany or for Holland or something like that. So that is the entire process. And there's just a lot that needs to happen. I mean, imagine what it would be like if you're not ready to do this, and now all of a sudden you have to prepare meals for roughly 250 people three times a day. So you can imagine the kind of uh, influx of resources that are necessary but even human resources that are necessary to make that happen. And that's what our desire was. That's what that's what we were there to do and there were lots of different things. Um Morgan any specific encounters that you had with people any stories that you think would be of a of a blessing or an encouragement or to even help us help us understand the just the perspective of of what's going on with with real people who are uh escaping the war and are, who are right now in Poland.
2: I think uh like three stories that come to mind one I, one
0: and then i'll let him do one okay and we'll come back okay so, um, if not morgan will tell 12 stories <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh
2: there was a lady i met she is from ukraine um her name's nasia huh. and she knows russian ukrainian a little bit of english um and so we were able to talk because she knew a little bit of english she has a, a son who's probably third, third grade, fourth grade, and then sh- her and her husband also have two adult sons, 20 and 22 years old. One of them married, and one of them in the university. And so everything hits in Ukraine, and that's her home. They want to be there. They don't want to m- leave. Um, but her husband says, "No, you must take the youngest one and leave to protect him." He was
0: 11, right?
2: I, I think, think so. Yeah. You must take the youngest one and you guys must go. Um, And so, what kind of how it's working right now is you can leave Poland, but like Alec alluded to, if you're 18 to 60 without an exemption, then you're male, and you're male, then you need to stay um, and not necessarily even fight, but be ready to be called to do that. And so. Her husband was back home, and her two boys were back home, but not with her husband in other places. And then her and her son were actually not staying at the camp. They were staying with a lady named Jody in the in town, and Jody knew of pro M. and so she was going there every day to help. And it, for her, it was I think, kind of an outlet of like, at least there's something I can do from this side of things because she did not want to be there. And she did not want to go further away she wanted to go back home and that was several of the people i met that wanted they just wanted to go home and um and there was danger for sure but then there was also just kind of like even if maybe they even if there were pieces of them that weren't in the primary um places that were being bombed the sirens are still going off so you're still having to kind of you're not doing normal life you're not going to school you're you're going down you're living kind of in a basement or in a bunker or those kind of things and so they were just living um you know underground um, with sirens kind of go- going off all the time, so leaving um, and then trying to support whatever the way they could while they were away. I mean, everybody has a f- everybody had a phone that I saw that yeah. was able to communicate yeah. back yeah. with yeah. their spouse,
0: yeah. um, which is a real blessing. I yeah. Mean, yeah, like
2: I asked her, you know, do you talk to your husband? She's like, oh yeah, several times a day. So it's not like uh, don't think like third world uh, war pictures from even like World War One uh, or World War Two. It's not not that kind of a refugee situation it's but it's like you know think about even like your neighbors here and you're coming from you know my day my week is like I normally go to Walmart and I take my son here and I have I have face lotion for my face and I have, it's like, Kate and I can pack one bag and I'm going to leave. I don't know where I'm going. Don't know when I'm going to come home. And I don't know the language of where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to make money. I don't know who to trust. If this person's going to be a good person, if this, you know, I'm a woman with my child, is this person going to be someone I can trust? Or is this person going to get me in a situation I don't need to be in? And so just a lot of unknowns that are unnerving, you know? And so it was good to talk to her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I loved how she was um, so willing to serve and so wanting to go home. You know, that's when Mm -hmm. I I think of her when we talked. It was definitely those are two big things that I came away with. Alec, a story that that happened while you were over there that was impactful
1: on you. Yeah. Yeah. As Morgan was talking, the uh, story that came to mind uh, um, was the story of Roman's family. Um, Roman is a Baptist preacher, uh, which is so cool to uh, (laughs) find a Ukrainian Baptist preacher who was trained uh, theologically in the United States. I can't remember exactly where before going back uh, to Ukraine, where he's from, uh, to be a leader in the church. And, uh, man, we could just talk about his story uh, so much. Um, He, uh, I just got to sit and talk and just listen. Part of his story, um, that was just so hard um, to hear. Um, Before I even tell it, part of the thing that was so hard on this trip um, is that these families were completely for lack of a better word, normal families. Sure, like this could have been my family. This yeah. could have been your family, that that had to move because of the situation that, were, that they were in. Um, but Roman, um, because he was a pastor and knew all these people, um, he had um, families that were living with him uh, for three weeks. They had all flocked to his house. And for three weeks, they had been living in his basement, um, and he showed me pictures of how they had cooked food and how the children played on a, on his iPhone, and and they took videos and how they couldn't go outside um, for fear of missiles. Because um, the Russians
0: actually occupied the city where he was, right? Isn't that he wasn't that his situation?
1: I think I think at the end they did end up occupying, and yeah. that's what forced them yeah, to, to leave. leave. Um, but before then, it was something like. Uh, they were firing missiles between them and Kiev mm-hmm. or Lviv, mm-hmm. and so there was always missiles going overhead. And so they're just they're just afraid, so they had to stay inside. Um, and so hearing that and getting to build a relationship with his family, and eventually I was playing soccer with them and their kids. Um, man, it, it, it's a sweet memory. But when you realize that mm-hmm. you know where they're coming from, it just it just cuts you deep and. It makes it worthwhile that you get to experience that, and in a sense, I guess help bring them joy and, and remind them um, that everything isn't um, isn't, I guess, as bad as it seems. But one thing that I was impressed with, and that I will be sticking with me, is that their trust in God and their faith yeah. was just incredible. Yeah, um, they'd say things like. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust God, and, and that, just, that just stuck out to me.
0: Yeah, it's, it was interesting because uh, we, you know, we have a video, I believe Justin and Amanda produced a video that uh, we are inter- basically interviewing them and talking to him and his wife, and I got to sit in and listen in on that conversation. Um, it was uh, very encouraging, and as we're trying to talk with them afterwards about what their needs are. You know, they just had this strong sense that God was going to care for them no matter what yep. that was. And I loved being able to say to them, well, then let's stay in touch. Yeah. You know, because we, as a church, wanted not just care for what's happening there in a generic sense, but in a very real sense. And mm-hmm. so there were a couple of families that we were able to connect with and exchange information and say, "Listen, as you're moving forward, we want you to know that there is there are some brothers and sisters in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You you don't even need to know where that is, but we want you to know that as uh, as as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we're here for you and that we love you and that we're caring for you. And but to see their trust that God was going to yeah. to, to watch over them was was really really neat. Yeah. Okay. So Morgan. Another story. Go.
2: Well, I'm going to tell the flag story. You know, I've told it oh, like yeah, 40. Oh, yeah, a great story. I've told it a lot of times, but it's <laughs> one of my favorite moments. <laughs> yep, uh, Alec alluded to this. There's this moment where we had got to be invited to a staff meeting with them and with the Pro-Am team, and so they just opened the floor. They do an all-staff, like for all the different school, churches, camp like everybody come together they do that once a month and then once a week they meet with their own staff for like their specific area so the camp group will meet together and the school group will meet together that kind of thing so this is the all-month one and the war has been going on this whole time so this is kind of the first time for all of them to come together in this in this environment in this way um and so there was a devo and these kinds of things and then they opened the floor and they said does anybody want to share you know anybody need to share and you just kind of get this feel like yeah, they're not talking like we don't need to share. This is like they need to share. It reminded me of honest, honestly of us doing ministry during COVID um, and going through some things that, that kind of just trying to figure out how to help as much as we could. And then going to a staff retreat a year and a half later and truly on our staff it was just like it it felt like everybody it was like a release valve of emotions and everybody was just really emotional a lot of tears (laughs) tears at that at that staff retreat because it was like you didn't even know you were carrying things um and so that's kind of what it was i mean it was like they i think everybody was you know we were talking to mac during that whole week and he's doing okay and he's able to talk logistics and i even asked him "How, how are you processing he's like i don't really know how to process and then he gets up to share something and he's just very emotional. Um, and it was kind of hitting everybody that way. And yeah. so there's a man named Matthew who we got to work with a lot. He speaks, um, he speaks Russian, some Ukrainian, um, Polish and English. Him and his wife, he's Polish. His wife is Ukrainian. They moved to the Pro-Am camp in December. So they are newly kind of working with Pro-Am at some level. I, th- I believe they're living at the camp. Yep. Um, yeah. And they have, I think, three young daughters Um, and they're all little to like five-ish, I don't know, age, you know, so think that that kind of size. And so their daughters are um, both Ukrainian and Polish little girls. And um, he said, you know, when my wife and I moved here, we did not know um, how are we going to fit here? Are our daughters going to be welcome? How's this going to work? Because we've been living in Ukraine and um You know, they're not fully Polish. They're not fully Ukrainian. How is this going to work? Their daughter started going to the school that pro puts on, the pro provides, um, and how are they going to associate with these these kids? We speak Russian when we are at home. We speak Polish when we are not at home. Um, Just how are they going to fit? And he was worried about that as a dad um, and as the leader of the family, frankly. Um, And so... He was talking about processing that, and he said, and then this war breaks out. You know, they didn't really see coming, and there have been 32 children um, from Ukraine that have joined that school that PROM has put on because you know they still they still need to be educated. They yep. still need to continue yep. that, yep. and so there are 32 uh, you know essentially refugee children that have joined at this private school, and they happen to be having Flag Week every week in preschool you have a theme and so this week was flag week and they went through to each of their children and they were asking you know which one are you and if they were ukrainian they get a little ukrainian flag and if they were polish they get a little polish flag on their cheek you know little tattoos all the fun things for little kids he goes to pick up his daughter and they had when they had asked her who are you she said i'm both yeah i'm both And so she got to have a little Polish flag and a little Ukrainian flag. And what she has been doing, because she can speak both Russian and Polish, is that she's been able to befriend her entire class. um, And she's been able to translate between the children to help them form relationships and feel comfortable. She's helped teachers Teachers. translate. (laughs) You know, this four-year-old needing to assist, which, it's like it just reminds you of like the humble the foolish and the proud Mm -hmm. and all the things the lord talks about his mysterious ways that he works but for matthew this was super impactful it was man now we know why god brought us here why god prepared us is so my four-year-old can help (laughs) i mean it's the crazy stuff you know but um to know that god can use someone so little is, in a big way, is pretty cool. It
0: was a moving story. And there were a number of testimonies along that same
2: line. Mm -hmm.
0: Didn't know why we were here. We didn't know why we were here. We didn't know why, now we know why we're here. And I even felt like that was one of the things that there was a reason for us to go. Um, Maui even said this, who's the director of ProM? He said, listen, I've got a lot of partners that are saying, hey, we can just send money. And he'd say, listen, we can use money. We really can. And, And as a church, we've sent a lot of money. But Maui will also tell you, but we need you to be here. We need you to experience this. Um, yeah. There's something about developing those partnerships. And so sometimes when I hear Christians describe, is it a matter of sending money or is it a matter of going? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is always you need some discernment. The, almost, the answer is almost always yes yeah. to both of those. So, uh, and I was so grateful for just the number of people who have been saying to me, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, thank you so much for going for us because we weren't just going for for us, i.e. Jim. Um, I wasn't going there to see my son, although I saw my son. I was going there um, because I have a love for Christ and uh, just a desire to be with a ministry partner. Um, I have a heart for Pro-Am, so lots of different reasons. You guys talked about your reasons for going, and and, and the part that I really love about it is that, you know, Morgan, um, I can tell— uh, your love for Dallas because you've been there a number of times, your love for Honduras because you've been there. Um, and and there is just something. Even if you never go back to Poland, you, you never come back from Poland the same. Right. And that's a that's a real, real, real blessing.
1: Alec, do you have another story for us? I do. And it's not so much a story. It's a brief story. It's more of just a story of what God's doing. Okay. Um. It, there's just... As we were in Poland, I just so many verses just came to mind in just a incredibly clear way um and once again that testimony time um the uh why li- the le- the leader of the camp's wife just said that a debtor a yes yes um she just said that while we we're here we did not pay for a single loaf of bread and that just reminded me of that verse in Matthew 6 that give us today our daily bread. bread yeah. And that just shows that God provides for those, for his church, and he provides for those that are, are seeking to take care of the people. Um, and, I, and I just wanted, to like, like, the entire time we saw people um, in need and we saw the church pouring into yeah. um, the refugees and the connection all around the world, pouring into that, and, um, we could, I mean, I'm sure the Lord could provide however he wants, Sure, but the Lord also chooses to provide through his church. And I thought that was just so amazing to see. Um, I got to talk to, uh, some of the, uh, workers there who are actually from America and that had been working there for, um, somewhere between one and uh, three years and they're on their media team and they were actually, they're pretty discouraged. Uh, for some reason, which is surprises us uh, being on the media team, because they felt like they didn't get to do they weren't doing much in comparison to everyone else. Um, and it was just it was cool for me to get to help them see that their their job helped connect what Proem was doing to all the churches yeah. around the world and it, helped us in Sunnybrook see and get involved. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense it was like their work helped Sunnybrook and helped the Kentucky churches get involved. And, and that's just the church coming together and that's God working together to take care. And yeah, it was just really cool to see.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, you know, to, to remember to be praying for, uh, as Morgan, I like Mohar Morgan described it, it these are pe- these are real people. You even said these are families just like us, which I don't even know. I don't, We weren't surprised by that. We knew that going in. But then when you see the real faces, sure. it just it, it comes home at a, at a much deeper level. Uh, you know, one of the things that actually happened, not to us, but to just give you a sense of just how complicated it is, when we send out um, the, the four vans the very first day that we got there to go to the border to pick up families, I remember him handing you a piece of paper, pick up this family and don't pick up any other family than this family. And that's because as refugees are fleeing Ukraine, there are terrible human beings who are trying to take advantage of, of any possibility no. that they can in terms of human trafficking. And I don't know any stories of, of, of that happening, but I'm sure they're happening. Um, and, uh, but one story, to just kind of show you just how complicated it is, the day before we got there, uh, there were a couple of American drivers who were even working with pro and they show up at the border. And as Morgan described, um, if you're between the ages of 18 and 60 and you don't have uh, papers that don't uh, I'll give you kind of a permission to not be there, then you need to stay behind. And so the family that was supposed to be picked up at the border by these two Americans... Who had a proem van? Um, the 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 father of the home was between the ages of eighteen and sixty, but because of a birth uh, defect, was 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 exempt from the military status, but or military requirements. But he didn't have the paper with him, and so they said, "I'm sorry, you're going to have to stay in Ukraine." And so they had to travel home. So now these two. Uh, Taxi drivers are trying to pick up somebody else, and so they grab another family. Not grab. They uh, they invite another family to join them, and so now they're driving back. Do you want to come to this camp? And we're Christians, and and so some some uh, some women and some children get in the van, and as they're driving, they begin to get them deeply concerned. Do we even know these people? And we can imagine not speaking English and not being able to speak Russian, and so the complexities of that. Long story short they become so concerned that they say, hey, we need to use the restroom, and then they go and they lock themselves in a bathroom um, because they're afraid, totally understandable. Um, They call the police, and the police come, and they they understand nobody did anything wrong, but it just shows you the degree of vulnerability and the degree of care and concern that needs to happen. Um, And so it's something that we constantly need to be praying for, for those women and children particularly who are the most vulnerable. Um, And so I I love the fact that ProM is trying to care for them and trying to care for them in a very real and responsible way where they're not just going and, and getting people, but they're literally trying to create relationships and then hand off, to other faithful, godly people um, to try to reduce any kind of um, uh, horrific things happening to those that are, are the most vulnerable. You said you had three stories. And you, you have I have more, a lot. You have more than three. Yeah. But why don't you give us one final one?
2: Um, uh, oh, only one final one. Then I would probably say... Um, there's another guy there and I'm not be really able to pronounce his name. I only knew him from the testimony time. He was very tall and he is a basketball player, previously yeah. a professional basketball player from Ukraine. Um, him and I think maybe his wife or children or something came over. Uh, they had heard about um a the camp the sports camp and so he came to help because he was a basketball player so he felt like he could fit and offer services there but he ended up staying for years um they ended up moving there and that's kind of what they did but he was not a follower of jesus and he um, had just recently within this last year for sure became a follower of jesus confessed christ as lord and it turns out then whenever the war hit he was talking about how he's had all of these previous teammates of his whenever he played for the league um call him and ask if they can send their wives and children to him and so he's had 10 uh, women um his friends wives and 30 to 30 or something like that children come and he's been the connect for them to get where they need to go. And he was just crying. thinking about that again. It was one of those, how was God working? And then, wow, look at God working, which yeah. it's kind of fun. Cause you know, in our Genesis study, we just did that with Joseph. How is God working? Oh, wow. Look, God was working and how overwhelmed with emotion. Joseph was seeing God's hand mm-hmm. come plan, come to fruition and, and not fully understanding. how, And not, yeah. Or yeah. even what will happen from here, but, um, but seeing it work. And then I would say, this is not a story, but I just want to say, because I do think we primarily put this podcast out for our people at Sunnybrook. We, you know, we had, we've talked about this before COVID, we were going and we are going and we are going and we're, we're picking up on that again. And if you have not been to <sighs> see God working somewhere else, I would just really, really, really encourage you, uh, push you, challenge you to go um, because really, it really, it's a blessing to you. And it's, as Alex said, God chooses to use his church um and one of the things he does is he is he uses his church to encourage his church in other places yeah. and it is so cool to be able to go and be a part of that you come back and you are encouraged and hopefully they are encouraged i kept hearing olivia say your energy means more than you know having you here energizes us i didn't even think about this but mac and olivia who mac you know grew up here in this church Um, and I haven't really thought about this because you and Andrea have gone, Jim, to see him, but he just made an offhand comment, you know, yeah, we've been here three and a half years and a group came shortly after we got here. But other than that, we haven't been visited by our church. And, um, and I was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. Because I forget that because Jim and Andrea have gone, you know, and, but I think it encourages them for us to go. I mean, just being able to hang out with them and say, you're doing good you remain faithful. Hang on. You know, um, this faithfulness to Jesus thing, it, it's like someone told our staff last, last year, it's a war of attrition thing. It's like you keep hanging on. You keep doing the next thing. You keep being faithful day after day after day, even when that looks different. Um, and so that was just really cool to see. And it makes me really want to send more of our people to do that. And I
0: think it's important that we realize, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a thing that, that a dollar can do and that money can do and the money can provide, but there's just nothing that provides like presence, mm-hmm. you know? And we, we know that, I mean, just you being there. And, and one of the things that I, I had a number of, of people, both from Poland and from, from Ukraine as well, describing was like, they want the world to know what's going on and they want to, the world to not forget. So us being there from the States and saying that is a, they, they would tell me is like a sign that others care. Um, and not just care, but care about the, the the terrible things that are actually happening. And that, that means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. So you can even read the, the newspapers. And one of the big things that, that those from Ukraine are trying to say from the president and, and on down is please know what's happening. We need everybody to know what's going on. So us being there is a, a, a constant or very a real reminder to them that there are people that care about them and then we care about them at the level of of uh, of god caring about them and christ caring for them yeah um, well
2: and he he they alluded to Mo, was it moses holding up his staff
0: no it's holding up the hands holding, holding up the hands the hands of moses to, yeah. yeah yeah so he
2: said you know like they're there trying yep. to do what they can they're do moses and they're moses uh, you know in this analogy right and it's just but don't forget us come back to us, yeah. keep this up. And so we want to do that. So that's why we come home and we want to share because yeah. we want to do this part with us too. And yeah. then we want to send more.
0: And we've got another plan or another trip planned actually. So we're going to be heading back in June. Um, so one of the other things, part of this podcast is to try to encourage people, um, maybe those who are going. We're not trying to take a whole bunch, but we're definitely wanting those people that are interested to at least find out more about it. So if you'd like to hear more about what, what we did or more about what is going to continue to be happening to help the the crisis that right now is in, in Ukraine and to serve Pro-Am and their ministry there, please reach out to us. We would love to continue that conversation. Thank you so much, Alec and Morgan. I really appreciate the both of you and was so glad that both of you um, felt called and led and served so faithfully. It was really a, a joy. And encouragement and I'm looking forward to seeing I'm sure we'll have future podcasts about how uh, what God has begun in you and in that connection with with Poland will continue um, and we're just going to kind of leave that to him to work it out